This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the emboldened, embroidered, emblazoned, engorged, entertaining, enlightening, and enchanting Justin Waddell. How's it going, sir? Man, you know, it's it's going it's going well out there grinding. Oh, you're working the, um, you're stripping tonight? Out there finding. <laughs> out there not minding. You know, keeping a... Just trying to keep to myself. Yeah. Mind my own, you know. But at the same time, some curious things afoot in this country, Nick. I usually mind my own right before we record. Is that what is that why you were one minute late? I was struggling to get uh I, I forgot where my laptop was. Yeah. And that was Oh, a, you forgot. I find that an important component of recording is the device. And I was scrambling around finally. How many laptops do you have, sir? Two. Just two, you're not remembering a third? I have three. How many how many laptops like are unused in your house? Do you know what I'm saying? Unactive laptops or inactive? You, is that a is that a a, a I, super I'm, shade at my groin? No, no. I'm just saying. I think a lot of people have a lot of unused tech tech in their house. They forget about, and there's a little sad computer somewhere in a corner that you used to tippity tap on. Oh, yeah, there's touch for years. Uh, yeah, there's collecting a, dust. There is one, and my son collects decaying tech so there's a lot of that line around well, he actually has the star of electric dreams upstairs someplace oh no what was his name i forgot already wayne harold what was his name he 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 gifts us with his name at the end he he introduces himself greg well, bartholomew yeah it doesn't matter heathcliff it's something we were laughing about it we couldn't believe his name we can't zoom in that hard and remember two episodes ago so what's going on with you I'm just, you know, learning how to live in a world where Zaps Dingbats isn't used too often. It's Mother's Day today. How you, how do you celebrate? I watch The Brood. Did you ever get a little bit jealous on Mother's Day that maybe you know the attention's finally not on you for a period of time, or do you try to like uh, elbow your way in a little bit and say, you know, I kind of mommed a little bit in my in my time? I have, but I mean, the reality of it is. I just try to keep my mouth shut when there's a bogus holiday. Uh oh. You know, about people that don't Uh-oh. really hurt it. You know, like what really do mothers do? I mean, in the grand scheme of things. What good Sing it. Sing it. <laughs> that have you thinking at all about your own mom? I was doing that today a little bit myself. That's weird. Not to get, you think not about to my, get too serious. Thinking about my mom? That's nice of you. 
No, my own mom. Oh, okay, okay. I clarified. No, I, I, what was it? What was it? What was a movie that you watched with your mom that was a? It was like a. Did she ever introduce you to a movie that you're like, man, this is good? Or, or she? Had, what was like a movie she liked a lot? Iceman. It's right. You and that was an important movie. We we zoomed in on it. Yeah. And then Timothy Hutton applauded as he fell, as a caveman careened thousands of feet to his death. Yeah. yeah, a big one for my my mom watched. I think I've mentioned this before. She watched Aliens with me because some kid, an older kid in the car, one time we were driving back for some place, and he talked about how he saw Aliens, and he and he said it was so great, and it was an R-rated movie. I was too young, and I got so excited from this kid's, you know, his love of it that I I got obsessed with watching it. So my mom watched it with me. No, she, it was, I always think about that. It was she, great. She liked it? She did like it. Yeah. And I always have, I think I've mentioned this before too, that I have a v, VCR that we, the VCR that we watched it on in, in my house. I can't throw it away. I watched too many. I had a sleepover when I was a kid and we rented European vac- Vacation. Dog shit. And it caused a huge controversy <laughs> because there's a lot of nudity in that film, I think. At least there's some nudity in it, and we didn't know. And it was PG-13 or something. And the kids all ratted me out, like to their parents when they got home. Caused a little bit of a stir. In your, in your I think they were just excited, yeah. you know, but felt guilty. Is that piece of shit Jason Lively the star of that? I mean, how dare you? Because he's not a piece of shit. He was a Knight of the Creeps. He's in two pretty good films. I don't think European Vacation is terrible. But Night of the Creeps is certainly good. I'm I'm the I'm uh, in the minority. I hate every vacation sequel. You like the first though, including the beloved for no reason Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I love the first one. I mean, the first one's amazing, and I don't think it ever it ever matched that. But I don't hate European Vacation, although I haven't seen it forever. Are you a big Chevy Chase guy? You're not. You have to not be. No, I was. I was when I was younger. You His humor, uh, I think, works a lot better than. I mean, Fletch is, still, Fletch is still a masterpiece. It is, There's yeah. There's not a lot of stuff that Chase is, Chase is involved with that I, I have any interest in revisiting other than that. Are you excited about the John Hamm version of Fletch that they shot he'll that's be, coming out? He'll be great. You think it will be? Mm-hmm. I think it's in it. Isn't it Greg uh, Matola? Didn't he I, film I think direct so, it? Yeah. I'm just glad Kevin Smith is nowhere near it. Yeah, he almost directed a... Was Chase going to be in the? No, he was going to. Chase was going to be in it, but not the focus of a sequel he directed. Right? It was going to be Jason Lee. I think that would have been pretty good casting, actually. It, he would have been great. fine. I, you know, I, I like Jason Lee fine. Not a lead, though. I don't think. Who are you talking about? You talking about Memphis? He's one, he's, he's <laughs> talking about. He's in one of our most beloved films that I have no idea why we have not done. Mumford. Yep. How have we not done it? We've talked about Mumford for like 20 years. It features a dynamic lead performance by a favorite of ours. Right. Lauren Dean. Well, Lauren Dean. It has a cast of literally, I don't know, 10 <laughs> of, you know, who's in that movie? Can you, can you, re- let's just tick it off. See if we can remember. We but have Jason named, Lee, we've named both people I know that are in it. Is Amy Smart? There's a lot of, I don't know. Amy Smart is not in it, but Zoe Zoe, Zoe Deschanel, she's in it, I think. She's also and, in another movie with Jason Lee. And Next Stop Wonderland actress, what, what's her name? She's in a ton of stuff all the time. She's great, too. Then H, Next Stop Wonderland, that's not ringing a bell. 
Is it Damn Hope it. Davis? Hope Davis in this. Dan, Dan Aykroyd in this, I think. Well, what, Mumford do, you trivia know, here. You know the other movie I'm talking about, though, featuring Jason Lee and Zoe Deschanel. I do. It's the best. It's called Untitled. Yes. That's 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 the movie. That's the Jason do, Lee movie. You do like that movie. I worship that movie. Almost famous. A lot of people have taken um have not they, they say that movie didn't age well or it's something, aged right? Perfectly. I watched it recently. Still great. The dancing in that, Elizabeth Moss, Jason Britter, Martin Short, Prue Taylor, Vince, and Mumford. So there's some fucked up eyes. Mary McDonald and Mumford. That is stands with a fist. To you, sir. Oh, is that her? That is her name, huh? In the porn yeah. and regular version of Dances with Wolves. <laughs> Did Costner make it with her? He does, right? They, they, oh, yeah. they bed down. Oh, yeah. They bed down. I'm sorry. They teepee down. Correct? <laughs> Don't they get up to some shenanigans in a teepee in that movie? Uh, yeah, a lot he, of fur yeah, on it, the dirt floor? It, it's a lean-to for quite some time. Because mm-hmm. he's leaning into it. Charles Rocket in Dances with Wolves, by the way. Yep. Do you remember that? Yes. Who else is in Dances with Wolves? Wolves. Tons of great folks. Just give me one. Rodney E. Grant. Right. I think his name is Wind in His Hair in the movie. You got Graham Greene. Of course. K-Cost. I think Kevin Tiggy might be in it. Is he? Wind in His Hair, huh? That's not a bad Native American moniker, I guess. Like, what would... Have we talked about this? We, we picked our names at one point, I remember, when we were zooming in. Probably for Geronimo. Probably, yeah. He who got his glasses bit by his dog. That's one of mine. Yeah. She chewed him up, man. For, I forgot to shake the toner. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, all right, man. Well, I don't mean to beat around the bush. Yeah, I mean, guys, it's a movie microscope. So we zoom in. We get totaled and walk. We run the river dry. We take a salad <laughs> out of the fridge, put it into the oven. We get swift in this. We run backwards through the rough museum, play boggle with the chambermaid. We get all camel up in this, you know? We spear a shake, govern the onion, and we suck the fruits of labor. Happy Mother's Day. Watch a film through diseased, unplugged eyes, scattered USB-C eyes, and watch a film through them and see what makes or breaks, share what likes to use. We're talking about south of heaven, west of hell. I'm talking about the scene where Billy Bob gets his whole pants up filled with ants because his horse did a somersault into a hill. Talk about the little moments, man. And today's movie, folks, is a biggie. Finally, we're doing a a movie that people cannot stop talking about. A big one. Yep. Then let me just, before we get started, I I have one clarifying question for you. Yeah. Does this movie exist? (laughs) Of course it does, in a delightful way. I watched it today. Was it real? <laughs> I don't like the way, I don't like your tone. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, Nick. Saw it in the theater, 1990, was a huge fan. Loved the show. Yeah, who created the show? I think uh, Richard <clears throat> Rubenstein and George Romero was involved in some capacity. And it had, who created it? And it had a bunch of really cool, they always dipped their toe into famous literature, you know? Mm-hmm. Finding that offbeat little, you know, in this case, Arthur Conan Doyle story. Little Stephen King bum mole. You think when they were filming this movie, Arthur Conan Doyle was in heaven jumping around all excited, telling all his his dead and floating friends that finally they were going to do Lot 249. They are going to make it into a motion picture. Yeah. And then his friends were like, but that's not, it's a short story. How are they going to stretch that? He's like, don't worry, it's part of an anthology series. It's going to be. 
And you guys will see. And there's also a hitman that tries to kill a cat in this one. It's incredible. And all even back then, all these deads were like, anthologies don't work. <laughs> and Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, just tisk tisk, stroked his beard and said, It's the future. Uh, and then you know, everybody's like, Well, I guess at least they're doing something other than Sherlock finally. You know, right. I mean, that's they tap that. They, they, there's no way they can get any more variations on that one. Arthur Donan. Sort of a Arthur Donan coil. Or Arthur Donan coil. I had to say his name wrong. I went, I started there and I just decided to finish it. Sounds good. Yeah. Arthur Donan coil. Yeah, I do like that, actually. It's not bad. Yeah. Sort of a soulmate to one of our, our previous episodes, Cat's Eye. It feels a little bit. It, well, it's that, that. Of course, that was also an anthology. Featuring a cat, um, featuring, and featuring featuring a kid in peril, featuring a, another heroic cat. Because ah, the cat in this one is the hero, I, I have to say. Um, <laughs> featuring another, not a troll, but a gargoyle. I mean, like, really, there's a lot to compare here. I like it. Mm-hmm. Stephen King involved in both. Right. I'm not too f- familiar with ta- Tales from the Dark Side. I, I'm sure I watched some of the TV show back in the day. Was it on an H? Was it on HBO? No, it was on. Or? It was on what well, in Georgia? It was on Channel 46 in the 80s so, or 90s. And so, yeah. and it was a violent show, right? I mean, it was. It was macabre. It was Twilight Zone with a little snarl. But in it last, I, I saw today. Zoom in. It lasted four seasons. Do you remember any specific episodes? Absolutely. From that? Word processor. Me, word processor of the, of the gods was one of my favorites. Give me, give me a little like. Because maybe I remember them once you kind of give me some plot points. Word Processor of the Gods is about a guy who has a monochromatic desktop computer, you know, a word processor back in the time. And whatever he types happens, if I might remember correctly. And it's, okay, it's like a, Death Note. It's a, really, it's a really black mirror kind of thing. I think it's before Death Note. Oh, yeah. I just said Death Note was And then there was that one. I, I don't remember. There was a creature named Lizzie who lived in the closet one. I remember Tom Savini created that character and everybody loved that design. Oh man, there was a few more Stephen King. There's a Ray Bradbury one here or there. It was very much interwoven with the whole creep show kind of vibe. And actually, I don't know if you read the trivia on this. This was this is they call this the unofficial creep show three because they took a lot of the stuff that was intended for that and put it here. Yeah, the guy that directed this movie, uh, which I John Harrison. Yeah, he did the Dune series back in the day. He's work. He's working currently working or at least was working on that creep show series, the new creep show. He, series. he did a few episodes. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think six. Zoom in. Here's the thing, Nick. Was one of the episodes about somebody that had like sentient hair? Does that ring any bells? Tales from the Dark Side? No. Must be remembering another horror. I mean, it may. Um, I, I'm not the, sure. I, I don't exactly run the Tales from the Dark Side fan site. So there may be a, a sentient hair episode. We should go through the plot and just kind of, I, I try to get like any actors that you can give me on that. On Tales the- from the Dark Side. Who? Yeah, like give me someone who was in it. I think your boy uh, Stephen Weber may have been in one. Because I think I'm always mixing it up with the creep, the um, creep keeper. You know, well, I could see why you shit. I'm just saying I'm getting that mixed up with that series. You know, I keep thinking of episodes of that series, the Crypt Keeper, whatever that show is called. So I'm just taking a quick piss. <sighs> I'll name some names. Patrick McNee was in some. Vic Tabak. Oh, McNee. Fritz Weaver from creep show you know some great actor probably debuted in this in this ass that's what i'm thinking yeah the guy who played the lead in, in 
word processor that God was super boring. Bruce Davison, David Patrick Kelly, Danny Aiello, Keenan Wynn, Farley Granger, big names, Carol Kane, Jerry Stiller, Darren McGavin, John Hurd, Harry Anderson, your favorite, Alice Ghostly in this. Her Matt, last name's Ghostly? The Manit- yeah, the Manitou's own student, Susan Strasberg. R.I.P. Dar- Darren McGavin in this. Most everybody I've mentioned is dead as shits. Paul Dooley from War Games, Ava Goda, William Hickey, who is in this movie. I mean, it's a, it's a fuck. Craig Wasson. Man, Ronnie Stevens. It's a, man, they got everybody. It's a good thing we don't do a TV podcast because we would be all in on this shit. Kim greased in this. <laughs> oh, of her. Oh, they lubed her up. Huckleberry Fox in this. What? Who in the heck? There's an actor named Huckleberry Fox. Now, I know there's a poker player named Huckleberry Seed. Huckleberry Fox, younger than us. He was a kid actor on that show. It was uh, Bruce Davison playing uh, in Word Processor of the Gods. No, oh, he's a good actor. What You ripped him. I don't like him. Bruce Davidson just showed up on Ozark. Um, excuse me, Davison. What? Oh, I'm sorry, Davison. Yeah, he was in Longtime Companion, a yeah. movie that was pretty pretty good. Also, turned to liquid in the X Men. Inside the closet is the episode with that little cutie. Tom Savini directed it. That's why Fangoria used to jack off on this show. Is this your fifteenth or sixteenth time seeing it? <laughs> I saw this in the theater, Nick. What a special time to be alive. And I imagine you did too. You must have run. I worked at the movie walked. theater when this came out and I had the poster in my room. 1990? Yep. Pretty good poster. Yep. I'd say. Yep. Has a picture of the gargoyle, the cute gargoyle in this. There's a lot. Reading. Of, there's a lot of cute in this, by the way. Okay. So, yeah, let's just get that out of the way. This movie has some gross stuff in it, but it maintains its, its cuteness throughout. <laughs> there's this, there's cute, uh, cute abounds, even in the. And the bookend sequences, or whatever they call that. It's not bookend, yeah. it's, it's throughout, but... Yeah, it's definitely... It's cuted up, this movie. So, yeah, the framing story, right? Like, what? why don't we, deta- why don't we talk about the cast real quick here? All right, let's got some heavy hitters in we'll here. We'll take turns with some heavy hitters. I'll go with the mm-hmm. obvious. We got Kira Cedric's brother in this. <laughs> Is that her brother? Yep. Who, who did he play? He was the uh, the wealthy yuppie that Kristen Slater was friends with. He's pretty good in this. He was great in this, yeah. And that's Kira Cedric's bro. Did he not act anymore? I don't recognize him. Robert Sedgwick. Else. You looked him up. Uh, I saw sure. the name, and I so he is. Uh, he still lives. Brother-in-law to Kevin Bacon. He he appeared on the blacklist most recently, I believe. So he's still killing it. He was also the um, voice of Smiley's number three in the video game Manhunt. So he's he's roughing it up. Debbie Harry, known as Deborah Harry in this, Blondie herself. Big time. In this movie. You got Steve Buscemi. Buscemi shows up. You got a little taste, a little smidgen of Julianne Moore in this. In her first theatrical role. She crushes it. We got the impeccable William Hickey. Old as a dream in this. I thought he looked about 90, died at 69. My man was young. Holy crap. Yeah. James Remar up in here. Re Adam Achan. Robert Klein, one of your favorite comedians. You got David Johansson, a.k.a. Buster Point Dex. Mm-hmm. Christian Slater, did we mention him? Not yet. C. Slate's up in this. I mean, that's a that's about it, right? I mean, there's is there any... I think there might be one hoss you're forgetting. One Who? big hoss. Mark Margolis in this. Oh, yeah, I didn't write him down. I, I, I did, I did, I bowled him later in my notes. Margolis, who is in... Breaking Bad and was in as in currently in Better Call Saul as well as many other things. Yeah, legendary. Eighty-two years young. I looked him up. He's killing it. Shot this movie when he was like in his fifties, I guess. Is that right? Probably just fifty. 
He gets rolled in a car and dies in a fire explosion. He gets killed by in a, a budget-saving camera move. He does. That car wreck did not really happen. And they give his character a full name in this. Dick Gage <laughs> is his name. <laughs> it's a cool name. That sounds like a, a name like they should have given the hitman, but it, they gave it to a, a throwaway character. Man, Stephen King cannot stop writing characters with Gage in their name. Uh, that's right. That's a Zoom. So why don't you set the, fil- uh, the film? I mean, it's hard to like, because there's lots of plots happening here. Because it's an anthology. The overarching film. story is a young boy has been captured by a, a cannibal lady and is imprisoned as she co- pre- prepares to cook his body. He digs into a book that she left in his cell filled with horrible stories. And he reads them to her in hopes of prolonging his eventual demise. Yeah, she says she's going to gut him like a fish and then bake him for hours for the dinner party that she's having. So he says, let me read you a few tales from this story so we don't have to get to me being dead yet. That character is played by Matthew Lawrence. I know one of your favorite mm-hmm. actors, uh, Joey Lawrence's brother. Yeah, I just spent $16 to get him to say hi on Cameo. And? I, don't, I didn't know a money can bounce on the other end. Yeah, she zooms in right away. I think Matthew Lawrence has been in the news recently. I think he's getting divorced. I saw his name pop up. Thank you. The wife's in her. The reason that she filed is she wa- she finally watched Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. She said, "I'm out of here." <laughs> see Matthew Lawrence. Let's see if we can get. Is he in the headlines? I mean, maybe that's the reason we're, we could sell her, tell everybody we're doing this film. He would make sure. the, he would make the headlines at a decapitation clinic. Cheryl Burke, Cheryl Burke reveals she and Matthew Lawrence were in couples therapy before breakup. It's a toughie. It's hard to read. And that's Vicki Lawrence's sister, right? Who? Vicki Lawrence and Carol Burnett. Carol Burke. I don't know who that is. It's his, it's his, his wife. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, Vicki Lawrence and Carol Burnett certainly acted together. Okay. I thought, his, okay. I got his last name mixed up with. Yeah. <laughs> Carol Burke. Is that Robert Burke's sister? By the way, there is something that this movie does that I cannot accept. What's that? They name a character Carola. Yeah. That... <laughs> I had to rewind it. and I thought it was Caroline for half the vignette. And then he says very clearly he calls her Carola. You don't know how gargoyles name their kids. I said, Alexa, did I hear this shit correctly? Is it Carola? And she said, yeah. you must be watching Tales from the Dark Side again. I'm saying I'm ripping that name. Is it a common name for gargoyles or I don't know what's happening? I don't know. Like, is it I don't know. Carola. It's a bad I, look. I'm sure there's people with that name. I don't mean to. I love look. I'm, I'm just this is a name I haven't heard. It's, it's not familiar to my ear. So I'm I'm confused a little bit. It hit how, me weird. How do you feel about David Goyer entering the podcast space on our watch? You don't. you hit me out of the blue with that one. Yeah, he has a he you said he overtook. Being bitten by the my Joe cat. Rogan Experience podcast is like the top Spotify podcast, and he does he's doing a, a podcast called Batman Unburied. What is it like? What is it? Have you heard it? No, David Goyer was a dick to me when I interviewed him. I don't ever hear him talk again. Let's hear about the story. What happened? Where were he's, Why were you interviewing him? Well, that's hard to believe. He's got awesome lots of tattoos on his arm. That's all we could talk about. He's got sleeves. He's overcompensating. Do you think that because he just uh, he looks? so non-threatening and not cool that he wants to sleeve it up so he can get like a shred of coolness or something like what 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 goes into that thinking maybe he uh just likes tattoos wow okay i i want to look like rob cohen with tattoos all right (laughs) so goyer man very successful hugely successful 
and only makes good things. I, that's another thing we could say about it. Yeah, him. and the, and you could the thing that blows my mind is it's not easy to be that successful and involved mm-hmm. in that many properties and have no fan base. <laughs> Are you talking about his directorial debut? Zigzag doesn't have a following. <laughs> Give me a break. He's a married man, uh, married himself. <laughs> In love with himself, proposed, and they got hitched. He is so he had, he couldn't. He was like, "I'm done with these movies. The, I'm so successful. I'm gonna." He actually he's doing the Sandman show. That's coming out. Did they nab Thomas Hayden Church for it? <laughs> he did a screenplay of the Masters of the, of the Universe movie that they're currently, I think, making. Yeah, we're good. No, he gets hired all the time. Let's not. Da Vinci's Demons. He's the genius behind that show. You watched that, right? Uh, that's real? <laughs> it's the Netflix show, I think. Don't know it. Da Vinci's Demons. I think it was on for like three seasons. Is it based on the same series? What does that mean? Robert Harris or whatever his name is? Langdon? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Tom Hanks movies? Da Vinci Code shit? No, no, no. This is different. You're allowed to do another Da Vinci shit? Fuck you. How dare you? Make another Da Vinci shit? What do you think of Debbie Harry rolling in the scene at the beginning? She gets in a Jeep Cherokee. You know what it did? It, it kind of reminded me that they're real people, too. Is that what you took from it? Yeah, legendary blondie, not afraid to get into a Jeep Cherokee. As opposed to David Goyer, who is forever uncool to me. Like, there's nothing he can do. Debbie Harry is forever actually cool. Like, she's, I guess she tried to dip into her tone to acting a little bit with video, probably not much video success. Video right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, video drum for sure it was probably her most known. No, Tales from the Dark. Film. Yeah, I don't think she acted in a ton of movies. Don't matter. I saw her perform when I was in high school as Debbie Harry, mm-hmm. um, but she only she did a lot of Blondie songs, believe it or not. Because I saw her playing on a triple bill. Isn't Blondie basically just Debbie Harry though? No, I think there was other. There's other. I think she was married to one of the guys in the band. I might be wrong, but I saw her with the Ramones and the Tom Tom Club. Oh. God. It was a spinoff of I'm staggered. The Talking Heads. That's a band. I went to see I went there to see the Ramones and Debbie Harry was definitely a highlight. Are they all dead yet? Who? The Ramones. Yes, they actually I think they all are dead. Maybe one left. If we call them the remains. I mean, don't even please. Stuff. They died pretty young. Eh, Those guys. Rock and roll. Whatever. Tom Tom Club. Man, that's fucking suck. I think those guys exist because they it's like the rest the talking heads couldn't put up with David Byrne anymore. So then they spun off and formed this group. I might be wrong, but I think that's how they were born. And then 14 weeks later, they're like, you know, he went so bad. So the first let's talk about the first. Uh, what do we call these vignettes? The first story story. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you talk about it a little bit since you love it so much? I will say this, as cute as this movie can be, there was some stuff that has had a couple things in this have stuck with me. And I, I found myself not wanting to revisit something in particular. And it, it kind of lived up. Is it the brains on the fruit? There's there's, there's two things. Yes. <laughs> so there's two things. One, a man gets his brain yanked out through his nose and they don't really show it or anything. They just describe it before it happens. So it is. That's a roughie. And then two. I, just before it happened, I was like, oh, fuck, that cat goes in that guy's mouth, doesn't it? It, it does. And it is gross, man. It's so fun. It's so cute when it comes it's out, fun. though, when his little head peeks out. It is not it's not that cute, but it's also like... That is like... It's fine. The number one cute in this movie to me. <laughs> There's a lot of cute mixed with 
horrific stuff. There, there's a lot of blood in that that scene. Yeah, it's awesome. And then the cat's cute. Yeah. Like, they don't make the cat... I mean, the, the cat going into, like, the dummy of the person's mouth. Like, obviously, it's that's all, like, you know, it's a puppet or whatever. But when they show the cat full body, he's always just cute and normal and non-threatening, you know? Oh, I love how even when it's doing horrible things, it's obvious they're dragging a cat through a puppet. You know, it's like... Yeah. The cat is not scary ever in this but it's so mm-hmm. funny to watch anyway no but buster poindexter definitely screams and, and it, like he oversells and it's great because like he's supposed to be this badass hitman but he gets scratched to the you know neck and he's screaming i've never seen somebody less effectively try to look cool and sexy than than david johansson in this film you see some of i his, think he does a some he his, does his job because he's supposed to be kind of hateable and i think he does that he does a good job of being someone you're rooting against the whole plot is like he's, he's supposed to take out he's like a hitman that's supposed to take out a, ha- a cat but you don't want him to and he doesn't tom waits buster poindexter and ron perlman look like three of those steps in the evolutionary uh chain of man they look like different if the outsider creature was like one week into the cycle it's one of them and then three weeks into the they, cycle it's the other one no uh, is it are they just all on one step together i mean what are they there's no evolution between them i mean there i mean it's if you were to like do a flip book right mm-hmm. transformation sequence like those three pages are right next to one another that's what i'm thinking yeah you're right i love it who wins though out of those i think three? perlman man I can't, there's no winning i guess Oh, they all just, it's rough. Perlman is like the most talented actor of them. But he also has the the, coolest. He might, but, but Perlman has the most pronounced features. So he might be at the back end of that, of that stage. And they're all musicians. Obviously, David Johansson was known for his alter ego, Buster Poindexter, who was like this kind of lounge singer character that got popular in the, I think he was in the the early nineties, right? But he was in New York Dolls and he was so he was in like a early like 70s punk band. And then obviously Tom Waits is Tom Waits. But isn't Perlman even the singer? No, I think he can. I think he can croon. I think he croons. I'm sure he does. So the plot of the the set, the first installment is Steve Buscemi, who was old when he was young. Jesus Christ. Buscemi look. No, he looks pretty young in this. He looks gross. It was fun to see him show up in this, by the way. It's fun to see every everyone in this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He plays a student at a university who is really into his his mythology and his Egyptology and all that shit, who is was cheated out of an award. Yeah, like a, a out of a fellowship or something. Right. The Primrose, the Primrose Fellowship. Super or, Zoom. Thank you. Scholarship. It's a scholarship. Thank you. Yeah. He was cheated out of it by Kira Cedric's brother with the help of his bow, played by Julianne Moore in her first role. But how does Christian Slater fit in? Christian here? Slater is her brother and his best friend, who's mm-hmm. sort of the conscionable one of the three, but he's still a rich guy who's coasting through life. And he lives with he lives in the same building as Buscemi. Right. Buscemi, what most of us do when we're scorned, he orders a mummy. He ordered a goddamn <laughs> That is mummy. something that you would do. That is something you would do. Me? I think it's something that you might consider as ordering a mummy. And I don't think I'm, I mean, you're going to like go me like this. How dare you? No, that's something I think I can see you. If there was a mummy available and someone said, hey, Nick, this mummy's like half off. It's actually kind of cheap. I think there'd be a moving truck parked out front of your house this weekend. Right. Unloading. I don't know. What do they call them? Sarcophagus. Mummies. Like, no, what do they call it? Like, what's a good name for a mummy? Like Gary? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Zero mummies named Gary. I was thinking Tutankhamun, right? That's kind of like the one that you go to, but Ramses, you know, you got yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But Blade. A set. Yeah, set. Is set a mummy, though? No. That's just kind of a god, right? Yeah, but who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. not real. So you wouldn't, you're, you're, I didn't hear a denial. No, I mean, honestly, half off. If, mm-hmm. I, if I'm on Facebook Marketplace and there's a fucking half off mummy mm-hmm. and it's less than 50 miles away. And, and it's like, it says guaranteed to curse your life or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Would that, would that make you sweat or would that just make you more interested? Definitely more interested. Obviously, this is a horror story. So Bashemi knows he's been scorned. And he has a way of exacting revenge because deep in the innards of this mummy is a scroll with some enchantments that. Re- yeah. He ends up going with Christian Slater's help. They go elbows deep into this mummy's chest cavity and, he, and Buscemi starts calling, calling his shots. He's like, this is an onion. Like he's pulling out stuff that they fill this mummy with, but then he pulls out an ancient scroll, which might be, is this our first movie that featured a scroll? We did Captain Marvel. Fair enough. Yeah, so then that's kind of, you could tell by the glint in Buscemi's eyes that this is what he's been waiting to find. Not these onions and these flowers, these old dried up flowers, but this scroll. And then he kind of, you know, makes Christian Slater. He's like, you know, enough, enough digging around in this ancient body. I'll see you tomorrow. And what happens? Never even, nobody washes their hands during that sequence, which kind of bothered me a little bit. I mean, I just can't believe that Christian Slater was game. Like he was wearing like a tennis outfit and he's, he hangs out. Like he keeps saying, I'm going to, I got to go to dinner, but then he's in like helping Buscemi like lift up like a, like a dead body and then digging into it. Yeah. He's a good dude. I don't think onions keep for, for 3000 years. I thought the same thing, but I don't know. If that's the case, instead of like mylar boards and great plastic, why don't we put our comics in bodies, keep them better preserved. Stuff in bodies is just a, it's, it's a way of life. Do you like the scene where they all three press their heads together to look into the sarcophagus? Did you notice yeah. that? Their heads mm-hmm. are flattened against one another in that for that shot. They could not fit their heads yes. into the frame without them squeezing their heads together. It's very comic booky, right? Like there's it's 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 the movie stylish. Yeah. Buscemi kind of tells someone that, that this movie, you know, that someone suggests what they're like, wonder what this mummy's thinking. He goes, oh, he's not thinking because he got his brain removed uh, before they mummied him up. They take a hook. They hook its brain through his nostrils and pull it out. And so, you know, that's going to come back into play. Hell yeah. Once this mummy starts to walk around. It's like one of the best things about it. And so that's what happens. The mummy, you know, Buscemi reads the scroll and the mummy goes to this guy, you know, Christian Slayer's best friend's house where he's living and he takes his brain out. And does he not move cute or what? Mummy's 100% cute no matter what it's doing. I mean, it, it's cute just sitting there, door, you know, not making, no, not moving a muscle when they're unwrapping it. When it's making a hook out of a hanger, cute, very DIY. But cute. I think we'll both agree, never as cute as when he's being cut into pieces. So it's very cute as well. And I have to say this: I'll ask you this up front: Who's cuter in this movie, the mummy or the gargoyle? That's a toughie, big time. I'll let you sit with it. I'll let you no, sit with it. The answer is one hundred percent the gargoyle. But let's not sleep on the mummy. And let's not sleep on the cat because the cat is also cute. I guess he's the cat can be considered monstrous, I guess, as well. But you don't sleep on the mummy. The mummy does look tired and like it's kind of like, you know, time to make the donuts for the mummy whenever he's shuffling. Exactly. He doesn't doesn't look like he's taking any uh, enjoyment out of killing his victims. Right. Well, OK, there's a big pet peeve of mine that sort, sort of surfaced doing this show is when ancient creatures understand modern trivial things about modern life, like knowing how to use doors or knowing how to whatever it may be, follow, you know, how do you know how to get to their house? Like there's so much stuff. But when you put that aside, he is in no hurry, does not care if he's seen. No. 
doesn't mind half-assing at his job. Later on, he he stuffs Julianne Moore while she's alive with flowers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do a bang-up job. No, he he gets some of it in there, and then they cut to her later, and he does, he's he's done some work on yeah. her for sure. Now let's talk about the most important scene. Sure, it was good to see the return of an old friend in this episode. There's a scene where Kristen Slater wakes up, or he's he's in bed. I think he's might be mm-hmm. watching tennis. What does he have with him? A bag of Doritos. The OG, Empty bag the, of Cool Ranch. The OG design of Cool Ranch Doritos. Mm-hmm. And the bag is like shredded too. Like he. He emptied it out and then ripped the bag and then thought he he still had some left. That but he crumples it tell up. Tell me you yeah, didn't have some memory of seeing that old bag. Yeah, that came down in a beam of light from heaven when those things landed. Cool Ranch Doritos. You love the you love Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're delicious. Did you know like last year or two years ago they did like a special version of Cool Ranch Doritos with extra Cool Ranch dust on them? You know, more whatever that flavor yeah. crystals or whatever they are. I got one word review for you. Yeah delicious probably perfect because you know when you search through the bag every once in a while you'll find a chip that was just an overachiever that's what like a lot of them were in the in the special they 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 know that they have a fan fan uh, base yeah i mean with the with the the try hard doritos so they made a whole bag of them i bet you they probably may have tapped into a few home security cameras and watched people reach into the bag withdraw chip and put that chip back and then intentionally reach for a different sector of the bag Hoping to land a big one, you know, Walter. <laughs> a Walter Dorito? Yeah, Walter, you know, you get the reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Buscemi says the mummy got off with all his rings. He accused the, uh, no, that's the mummy. The, what happens at the beginning, when the mummy, he sends the mummy away to do his bidding, it actually runs into Christian Slater and runs into Julianne Moore and kind of pushes them away. And, uh, and pushes and, them and, to and the somehow side. Circuit, shorts the circuit breaker. Yeah, I think Buscemi might have done that. I'm not sure. But um, nope. anyway, does whatever is going on, the mummy ha- is homing in on its target and anybody he crosses paths with, they're fine. He pushes them out of the way. He doesn't hurt them. Or at least he doesn't kill them. I appreciated that he was focused. Then the way that Buscemi explains to them what's going on, he's been robbed and they it made off with his rings. And it goes to kill this guy. And I, I, I did put a note down. Kara Sedgwick's brother, he obviously did this. He obviously cheated with the help of his girlfriend. He's a likable cheat. Not, you know, he's more likable than Buscemi for sure. Buscemi is a rotten person in this. Mm-hmm. But he wins. <laughs> we don't know. Oh, yeah. He wins huge. <laughs> I just like how... You can read an ancient Egyptian spell in English and it works. Yeah. Well, then, so. By the way, can I. Let me pull back a mm-hmm. little bit and get a little global. Mm-hmm. Let me get to 30,000 feet for a second. This yes. movie has a lot of usage of the word fuck. There's a sex scene. There's some unsavory dialogue throughout, right? Mm-hmm. You zoom out, right? Then you remember this story is a young boy telling this story to Deborah Harry. So is he talking about fuck this, fuck that, all that stuff from the from his jail cell? Is he talking about Ray Don's nipples in the jail cell to Deborah Harry? Well, one thing I thought was weird is he was trying to stall from being like eviscerated, right? Like eviscerating takes an like, hour, by the way. Zoom in, Deborah Harry says that at the beginning. He's trying to stall. He doesn't want that to happen to him. And he, then he decides to read a story where Buscemi talks about how they eviscerated the mummy. Right. You know, you think he might skip that part. Like, and then, you know, okay, well, let's just move on from that. So you don't want to remind her. Do you think he was playing the long game, Timmy? I mean, apparently. Because he seems like he, 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 when when she finally does, when the the comeuppance happens at the end, he seems Mm -hmm. like he's pretty locked in with this plan. He's, he believes in the power of storytelling because he narrates, 
he narrates her demise and it works. He should have probably said it as she was dying, not like giving her time to react to it. Because if I would have heard that he had marbles in his pocket, mm-hmm. curse slam. I slam that cell and I fire a dart gun into him from, from the other side of the bars and then eat the shit out of Tim. Maybe a part of her wanted to lose. Like she, part of her realized the moral thing that she was about to do and has done probably in the past because she certainly had an oven that was gigantic, that was kid sized. And, you know, maybe part of her wanted to get to trip on marbles and then get thrown in that oven. That's quality. That's quality. Let me kind of zoom in. A little Hansel and Gretel-ish. That's true. I don't know if you picked up on that. I, I wish in this fucking world we live in, somebody could eat a kid without it being compared to some fucking dumb nursery rhyme bullshit tale. Hey, point taken. By the way, Arthur Conan Doyle. Dead. Let's remind everybody, he wrote this one. He wrote Lot 249, and that refers to the mummy. Yeah. You know, Lot 249. Is it adorable that uh, they call him Lot 249? Throughout the story. Yeah, they, they, they gave his name, yeah. But, you know, a little some. you want some quick facts on... Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle? No. Born in 1859, Nick, married twice, and best known for creating the character Sherlock Holmes. Wow. Goyer, eat our fucking dust. (laughs) Also created a game that's still relevant to this day, Jenga. He was the inventor of Jenga, Nick. Did you know this about (laughs) Arthur Conan Doyle? It's also what killed him. He, He tried to make one too big. He designed a biggie. Yeah. And it toppled over on him. I didn't know he made Jenga. And it crushed him. A little side zoom, one of my favorite board games of all time based on his works. What? 221B Baker Street. It's a board game? I never played it's a it. Great game. Great game. It's hard to find, but you, you'll see it from time to time. It's wonderful. But you still play it? I still uh, I still do. With? Uh, trepidation. <laughs> Anybody like your friends, family? I play with my kids. So I don't have it anymore. I lost it, but. They had it at uh, they had it at Target most recently. I saw it, so still out there. So let's go. So at the end of the, yeah. Good. So let's just wrap up this one. Christian Slater finds out that Buscemi has been is responsible for responsible for the death of his sister and his best friend, and he ties him to a chair and he threatens to uh, roast his nuts. I think roast his nuts. Yeah, and then the mummy comes out and tries to attack him because Buscemi thinks fast and. Christian Slater dismembers the mummy with an electric knife. Which I don't think it was in the original novel. Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah. Well, let's just bookmark that. And anyway, so... He, um, he flips, he cuts, he's got his middle finger out. Isn't that cute? He does, yeah. And he he's cutting the limbs off. He cuts the heads off of the head off this mummy. And he, he lets Buscemi live because he finds the scroll and he burns it. So Buscemi can no, no longer enact the curse that raised, that kind of sicks the, the dead undead on victims and he is just gleefully he's he wins nick and that's how it ends christian slater wins he's fine wait what happens uh, he, he accidentally burns some porn egyptian porn hieroglyph porn <laughs> does yeah. and buscemi immediately from the cab doesn't even wait to get out of town yeah. from the cab reads the actual scroll and the dead bodies of christian slater's best friend and sister come a call it yeah to kill C Slate. He, he won't die. He made it. In my in my mind, he made it. Yeah. Second, second story is about the cat from hell, based on a Stephen King story. It was intended for Creep Show 2, but the budget was too high. I don't budget didn't seem to get in the way of this one. <laughs> and it's a it's a it's a yarn, man, about a hitman and played by David Johansson arrives at this mansion in the night. William Hickey in a wheelchair, 
cackles his way through a story about this cat that's killed off three of his former housemates, including Mark Margolis. And he's going to hire this hitman for 50 grand plus another 50 on the back end to kill this little bastard. 100 grand. And, and uh, the hitman can't believe his luck. He's like, this is an easy job. Uh, in fact, it's laughable. I don't even believe you, but you're paying me so much money that I'll have to put an end to this cat's life. And so William Hickey wheels out of there. He gets out of Dodge and he leaves the hitman alone with this this cat to kill it. And what happens, Nick? Uh, a victory, a resounding victory. A lot of David Johansson talking to himself, walking around the house looking weird, trying to look sexy, getting drunk. And then uh, the cat begins to you know, toy with him to some extent until ultimately the cat enters him. So and then why is a cat doing this? Do they explain that? They do. You don't remember? I remember when it showed up at his house and, and that he had a pharmacy, his pharmacy was uh, yeah. doing bad shit. So, yeah. So William Hickey owns a pharmaceutical company that experimented, experimented their, their, their headline product, which is like a, I don't know, some kind of pill or they experimented on 5,000 cats and laid waste to all these animals. And this cat has showed up at William Hickey's residence and has taken out his, his family members one by one or his, his friends and family members. So the cat is enacting some kind of revenge and which is understandable, but he really hates the hitman. Like he, th- this cat really saves all his, the horrible stuff. Like he just basically trips people downstairs. He suffocates somebody and he causes a car wreck, but this pretty brutal what he does to the hitman in here. Is it a he? I don't know if it's a female cat. No, it's great. It, and the tone of this is a lot more playful than the tone of the previous installment. So that each episode has its, playful, own, has its own vibe. Yeah, but I think this one's a little bit more. Especially the scene, the flashback scenes with Hickey and his cohorts in the house. It's so mm-hmm. so staged and and over the top. There's a part where Buster Point he he says that he he's like he decides he was getting a little. He, he keeps failing with the cat and and he can't kill it. And he says, "You make mistakes when you're hot. Like meaning you make mistakes when you're." Yeah. You're too riled up when you're well when you're hot. I, I can confirm. So he decides to take a breather and just chill and play some pool. And the cat attacks him and rips his crotch out of his <laughs> his pants. Goes for the balls. Yeah. Poor Dex- Buster Poindexter like screams like he can't believe just how horrible this is all going. So then as soon as that happens, he he grabs like a hand solo gun <laughs> from his briefcase, like this laser sided like sci fi gun. He sets up shop. He puts like a, a dish of cat food in front of a TV and the cat comes in like eat the food and, and he shoots it. He, he laser sights the, its head and shoots it and it misses. And the cat's still eating the food like that. He blows the, the TV, TV out from behind. Right, it. The it doesn't even move. Yeah. yeah. Adorable. Yeah. Right before that, he says, you're done for you. Fuck. He calls the cat a fuck. Just imagine guy. Timmy saying that to Deborah Harry. <laughs> There's a scene earlier where the cat has attacked him and he's got a bloody shirt. Yes. And he's pissed. The reason, and then he, the reason he grabs the gun is because he's got. He says this was a hundred dollar shirt, which was cute. He's got fifty grand. I think he grabs the gun after he gets his crotch ripped out because I think he goes for like some drugs before the gun. Okay. Like he he keeps leveling well, up. Yeah. Well. To weird things. And, yeah. But he he's got fifty grand on on his body right now, and another fifty grand. And he's complaining about a hundred dollar shirt. Come on. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. He can't believe he's never missed. He's like never failed as a hitman, and this is he can't believe this cat is getting the upper hand, and then it gets the upper upper chest cavities as well. Yeah. It really I like the idea that maybe it. the catman is a the catman the cat is a hitman as well. So it's basically well, it, two hitmen meeting. Yeah. Yes, 
It's like high noon, you know? Well, high midnight in this case, because midnight is when all the bad shit happens in this in this house. Yeah, the cat, he shoots up a grandfather clock, and then the cat jump, jumps from the top of the clock and basically beelines it to his, down his throat. Yeah, you love that scene. Yeah, and it's a rough one. I love it. It's so cute. Doesn't it doesn't he does not live? And then William Hickey shows up the next day, wheels in, he sees the dead hitman. He's like, Oh man, this isn't good. And then the cat burrows out back from where, where it came. That is a cute the, the shot of it cresting the mouth is the cutest and uh causes William Hickey to have a heart attack. And then the the final shot is the the cutest cat in the world licking itself clean on the the dead lap of William Hickey. Okay, there's two zooms here though. His pills fall to the ground, and they are obviously Tic Tacs. Obviously Tic Tacs, okay? Okay. And then the, the shot where the cat is licking itself, right before it cuts away to the other scene, William Hickey blinks like a motherfucker. Does yeah. he really? You think he was maybe he's faking his death? So that's a good twist. I didn't think about that. But I tell you, I mm-hmm. nothing pisses me off more than seeing somebody breathing or blinking or moving at all when they're supposed to be a dead body. It bothers me. Now, George Romero wrote this one. It's based on a Stephen King story, but George Romero wrote the story. Reminded me of Monkey Shines. Yeah. A little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, the kind of the creature antics in Monkey Shines is very re- related to this. Well, one of the trivia things was George Romero had to change the ending or add a scene into Monkey Shines based on studio notes, which was evocative of this, where the monkey breaks out of somebody's chest or back. It's like There's like this like jump scare thing. Yeah. That was... Uh, so th- there's a connection to this. Apparently, either he he had done it with this, and then I don't know which came first. Whichever came first influenced the other. I guess around the same time. Uh, two huge wins is all I can. I bet this was before. Not sure. We could zoom in. It's two huge wins, regardless, for us as an audience. Now we have zoomed in on Monkey Shines. I know. It's, it, there's that's one of those movies that pisses me off that we've done it because I want to do it. 1988 Monkey Shines. All right. The precursor. So, so this may have been him re- reacting to that forced ad and then the last episode is the best episode you think so it's the cutest episode love's vow lover's vow is what it's called is it lover's vow i wrote it down i it's the one i remembered least from the movie but the one i enjoyed the most this time around maybe because you just kind of forgot about it that and the fact that it just it, it it's just it just went it went far it went so much farther than I. The, the 10 years later thing made me laugh like a little idiot. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I can't believe they fast forward 10 years. So James Remar, who is, uh, even though I don't think we've done a film with him yet, hmm. is a, I'm going to go ahead and put a nomination for Movie Microscope Legend now and get the paperwork started now for him. A second. Do you need someone to authorize this? Notary? Yeah. I'm, they, in, I'm yeah, in. There's got to be yeah. a notary amongst the listenership. When you have this many listeners, there's got to be a notary. He's one of those guys. Like, I know what's in the pipeline coming with James Remar. I could just write. He's a, he's a, he's a legend. You got to just put it in. He is, and and they cast him as an artist, an angry artist, and pulls this. it off. Like, although we see him very, doing very little art. I, I I got man. There's so much I love about this episode. The alleyway attack is a delight. It's a little extreme for, and it happens to a character that they make you kind of like. Like he seems like a reasonable, kind of interesting guy. Yeah, he like you're a nice guy. Yeah, he puts up with a lot, takes care of his clients. He's bartender. Yeah, he's gonna. He wants to protect the the night drop, you know, that he has to take to the mm-hmm. bank. 
And he is rewarded. How's it work? Rewarded in an amazing way because there's a shot. He gets his hand whacked off first by the gargoyle. Right. And then he gets his head hurt. And then he gets his head really hurt. But there's a shot of him screaming in pain with this ragged stump. It's so cute. And he says, he turns to James Remar, who is drunk and peeing against a wall. And he says, help me. Yeah. And James Remar doesn't. He doesn't have time. And the gargoyle takes offense. The monster takes offense of the line, help me, and decapitates him. You can't stop peeing. You're committed to that act. I mean, once you're committed to that act, Mm -hmm. you're done. I mean, fair enough. I've seen it happen where somebody (laughs) rushed away from a urinal while peeing because something was happening and ran across the bathroom with a stream of piss firing out. This is real? This is real. Okay. Yeah, it was a a fight started in in my bathroom in high school. And, and, a, and there's a guy at the urinal who ran to help and it was still pissing all, all the way to the fight. He thought he could turn it off and couldn't. Yeah, I don't think he thought about it. Just I think I think his muscle memory clicked in. The lizard brain took over and he just ran pissing at that guy. Yeah, did it stop the fight? No, because it seems like no. a pretty effective way. No, but it disinfected all the wounds. Fair enough. Yeah, and Robert Klein is uh, drinking a Drambuie in this, which is a, an, a drink that has fallen out of the public consciousness, to, sadly. I don't know what that Drambuie is. Drambuie is yeah, a big deal. Like my, my mom and, and my, you know, a lot of my family members, a little Drambuie, a little bit of, you know, some Frangelico or some, you know, there's a lot of things that guys would hit, you know, but Drambuie was like a big drink in the 60s and 70s. Still out there. So yeah, the, the beginning of the movie sees James Remar in his uh, studio apartment or his loft or whatever it is. It's pretty big, his art studio, smashing to pieces some kind of wood structure that he had put together. He's not happy with it. And then he realizes he's late for a, a meeting with his agent, goes, runs down to a bar to meet him, his local watering hole, where his uh, friend, the bartender and the drunk, who's also his friend, are, are there. And his agent's there, played by Robert Klein. And he has some bad news, Nick. He is uh, that James Remar, no longer in demand as an artist. Never was. And, and then Robert Klein can't really represent him anymore because he needs to eat. He can't have clients that don't make money. So then he leaves mm-hmm. and uh, Remar's getting drunk and then leaves the bartender. That's when all this stuff happens with this monster behind the bar. Remar, after his friend gets killed, is trying to get away, but the this gargoyle, it's a gargoyle, it's a very cute gargoyle, pins him against the wall and Remar begs for his life. And this is where I got super cuted out. I couldn't believe it. The gargoyle starts talking. Conversation. And we don't know. It's it's this is a monster, and it has a very cute voice. It's basically, I won't kill you as long as you promise. He has a very elaborate, like the gargoyle is like a very elaborate way of phrasing. If you don't tell anybody, if you promise not to tell anybody, I, I won't kill you. That if you what you saw, what I look like, what I look like, yeah. what you know, and uh, Remar's like a guy. That's good. And the monster asks him to cross his heart, and he slashes him across the chest. Not, you know, and it's kind of a, it's not a, it's not a deep wound. It's not a fun wound, but it doesn't kill him. It just hurts. Right. But he accepts and then the demon or the gargoyle flaps away. And so the Remar is running and hiding in the shadows. And then he hears something coming and it's Radon Chong and he grabs her and she's scared. And she's like, unhand me. And he's like, just be quiet. There's something out here. I mean, I want to make sure you're safe. Come back to my apartment which she goes back to his apartment and they end up hooking up. Yeah, look, um, she, after she tends to his, his, his wound. I was trying to think if there's any movies right on Chong is in that she doesn't take off her clothing, maybe touch and go, whatever the one she did with Michael Keaton, maybe not touch and go squeeze. She's not, there's no way she's naked in soul man. Maybe anyhow, didn't she, wasn't, wasn't she married to see Thomas for a while? 
I think I think yeah, I think we found out that heartbreaking news. Can we zoom in? Daughter of Tommy Chong. It's correct. Pulled it out. And discover. I think. Am I right? Did she discover Chris Pratt? Is it her that discovered him? Oh yeah, you said something like that. Was it her or somebody else? Yeah. So they hook up, and he's still a shitty artist. But then she comes back, and she she basically saves his career. She hooks him up with mm-hmm. this famous thing. We cut ahead instantly, and he's a legend. He's got, selling all sorts of work. He's killing it. Even though the- he's haunted, though he's haunted by his friend's death. He's haunted by this monster that he encountered. He's drawing this monster. He can't get it out of his mind. But he doesn't tell anybody about it. He doesn't tell the police. He doesn't tell anybody. And he, and he it's always on the tip of his lips. I love it though because he lives in this shitty, uh, you know, loft apartment, uh, studio apartment, and and mm-hmm. filmed in Yonkers, by the way, Yonkers, New York. And then Zoom and in. then it goes ten years later because well, she's not before pregnant, she tells she tells yeah, Radon Chong reveals. That she's pregnant after a few dates or a few hookups, and he takes the news incredibly. Yeah, like he's thrilled. Yeah. can't wait. He 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 proposes to her. And then they cut to ten years later, and his life is a dream. Yeah, he's got two he's got beautiful two beautiful kids. children, yeah, adorable little guys, and a beautiful wife that hasn't aged in ten years. He hasn't aged in ten years. Robert Klein hasn't aged in not ten years. Aged like everybody looks a the day same. And Mm-mm. in that same fucking awful apartment, somehow. And Robert Klein, like he's like he goes from I'm not going to represent you to you want you kids go out and have fun. I'll babysit your kids. I'm, I'm, he's babysitting. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight, dudes. On the blue couch. Yeah, I'm sleeping on it. Everybody's going. Everybody is having such a time. And had at this point, did you remember that Radon Chong was the monster? I started to have my feelings. Yeah, I knew it from the beginning. As soon as he encounters as her, as soon I as remember. she was going to go to bed with him, I love the fact. Um, so yeah, she is the gargoyle, but uh-huh. I love the fact that this gargoyle is so horny. It goes out and and kills people and just hopes that somebody begs for their lives so they can make a deal that, so they could get scrumpy with them. I don't know. I think when she was killing people, I think she she got like a gargoyle boner in the midst. What's her name she again? Saw James Remar. Carola. 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 I don't think it's Carola. I think it's, it's Carola. Carola. Yeah, which must be that garg's name. And she has someone that she inter- she knows that's going to help his career named Victorine. <laughs> this movie has a credible We should have known that these were ancient demons. Anyway, so um, the problem with Remar is kept the secret for 10 years. He's been smart and he just, in a moment of weak, you know, like just utter love that he has for Radon Chong, who he's like, I have to give you something. I've given you everything I have, but I there's one thing you you have you don't have, which is the secret I've kept. And he tells her the night that they met what had happened, like what happened. And he 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 had he busts out a model of the garden and gives it to her. That is the best because there's a scene where he brings it back and and sticks it into the frame. And it's so funny that he uses the it's like he's sharing an action figure with her. He's like he's using visual aids. Second shot of where he shows it to her is adorable. And he's like, look, if I'm going to damn myself, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it my my very talented artist ways. Anyway, she's not thrilled. And she's like, you promised that you wouldn't. I don't understand why you're doing this. You promised. And he's like, I don't I don't understand. And then he does understand because she starts to shed her human form and burst forth and burst out into a, 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 a huge gargoyle. And here's what's great. While they're while she's transforming and shit is ripping off her and knees are bursting through her knees. He's like, change back. She's like, I can't. The best. They're having a conversation while she's getting completely destroyed he says change back which is an incredible reaction um 
And then he hears this kid scream. You, they walk okay. out. They're also gargoyles. Okay, yes, very in the lead. But I, no, sorry. what if she did change back? What would breakfast be like the next day? Remember? Yeah. I, I, I was up maybe early cleaning sort of, up skin, but how's your milk? You know, Maybe he was like, in a way, he kind of knew. And he, he just is like, and then he thought if he kind of revealed to her that he knew, he suspected that, that it would be okay. Like, you're telling the person you promised. But I guess this is all a trick. He, the gargoyle was like, okay, uh, you made this promise. Now I'm going to make you hold fast to it and not tell the person that you're so in love with. It was like a huge, it's like a 10-year plan. It had. I think the gargoyle is, is the tragic character in this, though. Well, you know, and then when it kills Remar, and it does. But it does. It does. It does it, so it gently. Yeah, a little throat rip. A little, little roadhouse murder. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It rips the throat. It doesn't decap or tear off hands or anything. It just does a little throat rip. And Remar doesn't enjoy it. No. But I think he understands. Yeah. He's like, you know, th- this is my life is still a net positive. I mean, 10 years of, of mm-hmm. this. Got to make a couple of yeah. cute gargs with you. Yeah. When the, when yeah, the, the when kids, the kids come, come out, out of the room as big, little gargoyles, it made me so happy. They reminded me of the things from Dragon Slayer. Do you remember that? The yes. baby dragon? Uh-huh, of course. Yeah. yeah. The most important thing, though, is Robert Klein lives. He does. Don't worry. He gets in a cab and he's fine. Like, they keep cutting back to him like something's going to happen. Nothing does. He gets away. There's In every one of these movies, there's a taxi cab, by the way. In every one of these shorts. Yeah. It's a good zoom. I thought maybe it would be cool if it was the same taxi cab driver. Nope. Do you think James Remar gives a remarkable performance in this one, Nick? He's fantastic in it. I love the fact that for no reason they fly away through this through the skylight and then become a building statue. I know it's a gargoyle hold, holding its gar- it's 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 mini me's. Um, those kids those kids went from dressing up for Halloween to becoming gargoyles. That's a huge whiplash. It makes you wonder: Did they know all along, or were they as surprised as we were? I think they're surprised. But you know that that when they become gargoyles, I'm like, then then they. It, can't they get a little remar in there? Or they can be like hybrids because they're full gargoyle. I like the idea. First of all, there's another kind of subplot about how artists are more famous when they're dead. So Klein is going to rake it in. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of them going back to this apartment, finding a throat ripped remar, and then just the skin of two children and, and Radon Chong in this room. Like on their beds, there's just there's just piles of skin. Yeah. that That's going to be an unsolved. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. So then it cuts back to Matthew Lawrence and he ends up getting a one up on Debbie yeah. here. He keeps trying to stall her, but it's two it's three stories is enough, she says. Time to kill you. And he uh trips her with some marbles. She falls on the stuff she was gonna viscerate eviscerate him, like the hooks. She hurts herself, she he pushes her in the oven, it's all sorts, she dies and he gets away. What and he looks at the camera, um, right? But it's the only happy ending really in the yeah, movie. He looks at the camera. His other stories and, don't get happy endings. Huh? And then he talks to the camera at the end. What does he say? Like, and something about a happy ending. I don't remember exactly. Oh, he does say that? Yeah, yeah he calls, like I said before, he, he actually calls his shots. Narrates his own, uh, narrates her death as it's occurring. Yeah, I mean, like, I think R- Rubenstein pitched him as the Babe Ruth of captured children. <laughs> pretty funny. Oh, wow. And then I, I just want to say that because I, I do think it's pretty funny, but I was yawning and I didn't want you to take offense. So, uh, look, I do the work. Taxi cab pulls off. To a tattoo parlor. Let's you out. You mm-hmm. say, keep the meter running. This ain't going to take long. What kind of tales from the dark side tattoo are you going to get on your body? Well, I'm doing the gargoyle story. I think you have to tell the story you're going to do it from. Yeah. You can mix and match, but I'm doing full gargoyle. And I'm going to have 
Ray Donchon transforming into the gargoyle, like mid transformation. Remar standing there, wide eyed, can't believe what he's seeing. And then I'm going to have the tattoo artist tattoo me into the scene with a speech bubble that says, Remar, run! <laughs> what do you think? I like it. <laughs> he doesn't run. No. I mean, you're in a loft. You've already seen what this creature can do. Now it's just like, look. I know, but the transformation's taking time. Get away! You know what I'm saying? It's like her, her knees are busting out of her leg. If the, the, her human form, if the legs are doing that, the arms are doing that, the head's going to do it. It's time to Hard go. Hard disagree. He he he. Uh, a plus on his, on his decision making. Yeah, it worked out. For no, him. he's doomed either way. He died. He died standing, like a you know asking questions. You know. He's trying to talk her out of it. Yeah, you're fair so enough. I, like he knew he couldn't get away. You're and saying. honestly, what good is he without her? And those cuties. We didn't talk about this. We talked about it earlier, but how cute was that monster's face? How cute was that gargoyle's face? It was cute because of the puppeteering and the, how the voice didn't quite sync up with the mouth movements and how, yeah, cute. 100%. You put a picture of it on our um, Instagram. People can go take a look. It's it's 100% verified cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuddly is nut. Um, I'm going to also delve into the gargoyle story for my tattoo. And I'm just going to assume that you know they don't spend all their time on the building. And I just got this cute tattoo. It's a tableau across like the right side of my shoulder blade of a PTA meeting with um, that group sit, sitting in, you know, just going yeah. over deep, you know, like the, maybe the, she's part of baked good. And they're standing amongst uh, a bunch of, of whites, you know? Yeah. So movie's over. Credits have rolled. But lo and behold, there's a stinger at the end. What's out there? Stinger at yeah. the end. Mine's super simple. T- okay. Timmy leaves the house starting to get dark out and uh he got he's got his bag over his shoulder he walks to the curb and the creepers van pulls up instantly and puts him in and drives off are you, are you reminded uh, it drives off and jonathan breck is driving and mm-hmm. the kid's terrified and he leans back and says don't worry i'm not really the creeper and the kid says i love when stories have a happening and then he says but i'm taking you to victor's house oh my god did the gargoyle kind of remind you of the creeper is that why you brought it up no. The wings? Nope. Creeper wishes. Right. Yeah. Creeper wish. The Creeper Wish Foundation. What? What? What about you? So mine is it's it's a spinoff from the Gargoyle story where Robert Klein gets in the taxi cab and they keep cutting. You know, as the gargoyle is sitting on top of the, you know, flying away and then turning to stone on top of the building, they keep cutting back to Robert Klein. They show him hailing a cab, kind of looking weird. He hears some noise. He gets in the cab and they drive away. And so then my deleted, my extra scene is like, he gets home, gets out of the cab. He, he pays the cabbie. He goes, keep the change. And the guy's like, is $19. Is this a 20? He's like, all right. And he gives him another dollar. And the, the cab driver rolls his eyes. And then Robert Klein goes in his house, takes off his, his suit, puts on his PJs and goes to bed. That's it. I mean, why wouldn't you want more of what Robert Klein's doing and all this stuff? I mean, I'm really glad they cut back to him so much. You think he was surprised when they, when he saw this, <laughs> that wow, my character, no one cares about this character, but I'm really glad that he is for for some reason tied into this very sad end. Well, he gets to hear the shriek of the creature as it leaves, and he says, "What the hell was that?" So he does get to comment on the violence. The only reason to have him at the end is like if he gets killed. I was like, is he going to get killed? Like, I guess maybe that was what the director's doing. It was kind of a false thing or something, but he's fine. He's he does, <laughs> gets in a cab. I thought it was cool when he actually kind of approved of the gargoyle look on Radon Chong. What do you he mean? He turns into a gargoyle in front of him. He goes, keep the change. 
I like it. <laughs> so, the movie has been uh, so successful, they've decided to greenlight a sequel. Finally, after all these years, a sequel to Tales from the Dark Side. How are you spending that? Did you see? I, I read about one of the stories they were going to do for the sequel. It was called, it was called uh, Pinfall. Okay. It was a it was a horror story set in a, it was like an elaborate the Stephen King thing, story. Right? Bowling alley, yeah. Rival bowling teams. Inheritance. And, inheritance. And a, a, one bowling team kills the other bowling team. And then they return and um, as zombies and kill the, this, the bad guy bowling team in the bowling alley in very wild bowling ways. Yes. Yeah. And then bowl with their dead bodies at the end. That was one. There's another deleted one called Puma Sunday. It's, yeah. it's like a horrible day of the week where people get attacked. No, it's like these people go to this yogurt shop. And instead of dispensing yogurt, Pumas come out. And start kicking ass. Is that your one? Your no, no. I'm just saying that was sequel? No, the, the, my sequel is pretty self-explanatory. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a Hollywood kind of insider story. Okay, tales from the Iron Side, and it's um yeah. Michael basically sits around a fire with uh, fledgling film students and just talks about the craft. You know, stories from on set, craft services, snafus. You know, cautionary tales yeah. about on set romance. Maybe one day when a gaffer. Uh, forgot to put his dick back in, came out of the porta potty and his dick swinging out. You know, like maybe mm-hmm. like when uh, you know, he was on, when he was on, uh, he was talking to Vic Morrow, just some stuff, cool shit. Right. Tales from the Iron that Side. good. Well, I, mine's close. It's mine's Tales from the Bark Side, and it's going to be a remake of this movie, but instead of the actors, it's all dogs the do- and everything. There's a dog mummy. Dog cat. There's a dog cat, of course. Everything is a dog. Dog marbled. Mm-hmm. Only thing, only part I'm not recasting is Robert Klein. <laughs> He'll a, still be a, a dog oil. <laughs> There's definitely a dog oil. <laughs> Ray Dog Chong. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, everybody. It's called it's called T A I L S. The bark side. Pretty great. Yeah, so I think this, and it's just a, it's like a. You know how Gus Van Sant remade Psycho, shot for shot. It's like that, but with dogs. And if you want, if you have to take um, a break from watching the movie, you have to hit pause. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's good work. All right, so look, you've been given the finance and have your own business associated with Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. Hey, spend that hard earned. I don't know. Is there room for one more Tales from the Dark Side business? <laughs> is there is there room for another one? I mean, has it been done? I was at uh, Target today, and they had in the in mm-hmm. the sale bin a couple of the figures from this and i was so tempted to just get a couple you didn't though so yeah finally put them on sale huh yeah and they have have their exclusives they have target sometimes has their exclusive toys Uh, i almost picked up that targoil (laughs) i would make the that's my business and i'm dead serious i'd make the gargoyle like a stuffed version of this exact gargoyle you know obviously a smaller sizing that face i mean i feel like it's just it's such a cuddly little cutie so good you know Maybe he have pieces of Remar hanging out of his off of his stuffed teeth, but other than that, you know, blood blood soaked front. But other than that, you could be you know cuddly. The gigantic lips, like kind of had Muppet lips. Yeah, so cute. Look like a gremlin. Look like it a looked gremlin. Like a better gremlin, right? Stuffed pieces of Remar's throat off his stuffed teeth. I think it'd be great if they had like a build a bear kind of thing where you start off with it. Start off, it's like Radon Chon, and you just add pieces and pieces and pieces. Over her, right. yeah, yeah, over her yeah. form, right. So you have a first one, or no? Well, or you start with the gargoyle and you add Radon Chong over her. I don't. But how, what do you... It looks bigger than her, though, doesn't it? 
I guess not. It is bigger yeah, than her. So yeah. I guess you got to put one inside the other. Might be better to put Ray Ray in the middle. Yeah, I'd be. I was confused. I'd be confused like Remar about why this is happening to me. He handled it incredibly well. I thought. Yeah, he understood his error. He said, "I guess I should have kept that to myself. My bad." I thought it would have been great if the demon, if the gargoyle mm-hmm. bursts out of her body and then said, "You know, that was a very brave thing for you to do." I'm going to undo the curse. I will not kill you, even though it was our pact. And Remar's like, cool. Uh, all right, so you can change back, right? He's like, no, no. So now it's just this. I'm he's like, just got to fuck the gargoyle and, and raise them gargoyles. I was like a proud. I don't know if he'd be that. Do you think he'd be that? I don't know. Like I said, the gargoyle's cute. Can you go get groceries? Uh, James, I'm a fucking gargoyle. <laughs> but I mean, very kissable lips. Mm-hmm. So I have bought. Talking about, talking about Remar, though. Gans, right? Yeah. I have purchased a handful of those hurricane booths that are commonly seen in malls. Oh, you're doing a hurricane booth? Yeah. So what I I, I have I've relabeled I've I've skinned them, right? I've gotten mm-hmm. I, I've gotten, you know, somebody to skin it and it says Tales from the Dark Side of the Ride and it's I put them in the mall and it's got the glass is blacked out so you can't tell what's inside. You know, you pay your money, it's thirteen dollars per, you know, session. And it's just you and a wheelchair and a cat and William Hickey in this hurricane. We just throw you guys into a hurricane together. Just bounce you guys around in there for a while and see what happens. You come out, you know, maybe worse for the wear, maybe enlightened. We'll bounce you around with a couple of things, you know, see how you come out. Right. Yeah. Maybe you got a little bit of William Hickey, you get a wheelchair in you, you know, bouncing around. Maybe sit in the chair to take, mm-hmm. ride the hurricane in, uh, you know, try to grab on. By the way, William Hickey does a 180 in that wheelchair fantastically in this movie. You see that spin he does? Turns around in a, in a mm-hmm. narrow corridor? I did notice. Fantastic work yeah. by him. Died at age 69. Unbelievable. The guy looked like he was 69 in his teens. Mm-hmm. What was his last movie? Priest's Honor? No. That might... Let me see here. They don't have his filmography like like I want to see it. He was a mouse hunt. I Maybe like that was movie. his last one. Maybe a few after Speaking that. Speaking of, like, but, mm-hmm. you're in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I am a mouse from hell. You are. I'm the mouse from hell, and I'm also in that damn mansion. Oh, my God. And I am fucking livid, because I have every reason in the world to be doing some nasty shit to people, too. Because they experimented on mice as well. That fucking yeah. cat. I got two I got two things working against me. One, my mortal enemy is from hell, and it's a cat, and it's doing everything I want to do. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I got agita. It's, it's flaring up, and I am just bedridden. I'm infirm. Got a little thermometer in my mouth. My whiskers are bent. I got my paw on my chest, like, uh, like I got, I'm having the fucking the vapors or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got to sit this one out, guys. Super cute, though. <laughs> that is the requirement for this one. <laughs> um, I'm a rival pharmaceutical CEO or owner of this company. Also wheelchair bound. Also older than I look, like William Hickey. <laughs> And I catch wind of rumors that he is now dead and the people around him are dead. And there was even a hitman. Um, and it looks like they've been killed by a cat. That's what the story goes, a cursed cat. And I start putting two and two together. And I realize that, oh my God, they experimented on cats to get their drugs. We experiment on giraffes <laughs> to get ours in the right shape and i look i peek out my window and i see this long long giraffe neck come up and 
his face with his nose, the giraffe's nose pressed against the window with the evil look in its eye. It's right, Nick. <laughs> It'd be great if it was. The, the, yeah, that's a great idea. Actually. Yeah. So I hire a hitman to kill a giraffe. It's probably more expensive to experiment on giraffes than to do drug creation. You think anybody's ever experimented on a giraffe? I mean, it's, we're a horrible society. It's a it's it's a tough world, and there's so many horrible things that have happened. Do you think someone's decided to to experiment, do experiments on a a giraffe, like a head transplant or something, just to see? I mean, Moreau. I know the 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 owner of Jimmy John's uh, likes to shoot them. Does he kill them? He's an exotic animals murderer. I didn't know he killed giraffes. Well, I'm just gonna assume if you're gonna yeah. kill something delightful. He hasn't been in the news very much, that guy. I remember he was a prick for a while, but I haven't heard about him. He he got overshadowed by Papa John himself, who I think, does he also hunt animals? No. Yeah, I think last I heard, remember he was racist on a corporate call. Yeah. Remember that? He's yeah. a winner. He's a wild piece of shit. Man. <laughs> All right, look, so you have to incorporate a little bit of something from Tales from the Dark Side into your everyday life. Some sort of a ritual, basically, a mantra. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? How am I going to incorporate this movie, huh? It's a good question. Whenever it's midnight, I punch my cat in the dick. <sighs> Do not. I don't know. I might just decide to live my life like I'm, like I'm Kara Sedgwick's brother. That like I'm Kevin Bacon's brother-in-law, you know? I just wake up every day kind of imagining. Like, yeah, what do they say when you kind of picture yourself as someone else or you kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes? I'm going to picture myself as Richard Sedgwick. What's his name? Sounds good. Ronnie Sedgwick? His real name is uh, Mr. Robert Sedgwick. Robert, I got close. Bobby Sedgwick in yeah. here. What would Bobby Sedgwick do? Yeah. You know, how would I handle this situation as one Robert Sedgwick? Yep. I'd call Kira for sure. I'd be like, Kira, I'm in a spot of trouble here. I'm behind in my cable bill. Can you and Kevin, you know, maybe wave the magic and then Ke then bacon to get on the phone and talk about i lost all his money to fucking bernie madoff again i'd be like it is 90 dollars, kevin bacon you know what i'm saying i think you can help i haven't worked i haven't worked for years she's like you a, are in she's movies. like i'm only the closer on tv buddy i i, I was like you guys gotta have some money and they just they just made off me again the damn no, kevin bacon's like look every I, this is hard earned like you have to work hard i mean it, it'll be more rewarding if you earn it yourself that's what he's yeah, gonna say yeah. to me oh man and I mean, like then I'd be like so pissed and like stir of echoes would come on my TV and I'd kick my TV I'd be so angry. But yeah, I, I'd live even though I guess I just that's I'd role play. <laughs> I, de I definitely went down a, a dark path here and I'm not really, you know, but I I got into it. And I guess that's I'm just giving you a little taste of how I do it. Yeah. I'd be a bitter Robert Sedgwick. Did, did he, you said he still works. I mean, as of not, like six years ago. I wonder how's COVID yeah. been. How come it says on his Wikipedia page, Robert Sedgwick, American actor, and has a little asterisk next <laughs> Look, um, you're on an island. You've been floating there all these many years, gathering debris from various films, and now it's time to take something from Tales from the Dark Side. What you bring in? That's a good question. By the way, we didn't we didn't talk about Julianne Moore. She's pretty great in this, she's, right? She's like fine. she's hateable and you know, cute. She's pretty. Like she's just sinister. She does a great job. You said this is her first yeah. film. Loving it. All right. No, go ahead. you know, I've got all these guests on my island. I got a lot of people that kind of I interact with them mm -hmm. reg. So what I'd like to think is let's Thanksgiving maybe rolls around and I want to have a I want a gathering of sorts. Yeah. To, to remind everybody how much they mean to me. And they uh they come and they settle they settle down at my dining table and everything's like look I want to talk about some important shit mm. and uh they're like I can't even see you. 
and I stand up, uh, oh, because uh, there is a blondie-shaped pan on the table with smoke coming out of it and a lovely aroma, a delightful, a delightful uh, uh, dinner I've prepared for them. Blondie-shaped food. Oh, my God. You, t- <laughs> you took cooked Debbie Harry. <laughs> I took her, yeah, cooked. Well, why don't let it go to waste? Fuck. The, the delightful, perfectly, you know, little, little char marks around the edges, you know, pleasant. Mm-hmm. Just a pleasant. Cooked to perfection. Yeah, little, you didn't eviscerate her, though. That's the problem. Like, that's, that didn't happen to her. You're supposed to clean her. And then cook her, and that didn't happen. Your 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 island doesn't mind. All systems go. Delightful. Nothing stuffed in there. Nothing in there to spice it out. Just maybe mm-hmm. some clothes that had kind of you know adhered to the charring body, but a right. delicious. Uh, and plus, these people are in no position to be you know critics. You know, you're lucky. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. letting you eat. Period. You know, so we're just Fair snacking enough, yeah. out. Yeah, can't let that go to waste. There's two things I was thinking about taking, and maybe you can help me decide. It's either Slater's overconfidence at the end, his gleeful win, but I'm more leaning towards taking James. The way James Remar reacts to news, got to go with that. The way he just takes news in incredibly mm-hmm. and accepts it. You know, like he, the world changes before him, and he, he all he gives it back is like kind of a hangdog look. And a, a knowing, like, all right, you know, another one-two punch for old James Remar, you know. So, you know, like, I guess what kind of things could happen on my island? Like a, like a tsunami starts brewing. <laughs> I don't, like, and you just picture me looking at it with, like, a, well, you know. Wheelchair goes by. Here we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I just get a peek of anything going on in your island, <laughs> you know. Maybe that's my defense, taking that kind of, that wall that Remar puts forth whenever he... He really does get gut punched in this movie a couple of times. And then he gets throat ripped. Yeah. He handles it so well. So, yeah, yeah that's he's... right. Mm-hmm. Handles it like a champ. You believed him as an artist, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I believed him yeah. as a uh, sensual being as well. They didn't kissing, show much of his art. Kissing the daylights out of Radon Chong during their sex session. I know. Fiercely. I, yeah, they did it. There was nudity. I was, I was surprised to see it. But he's. He he's, does. Yeah, they get they make out. But he's very method. So mm-hmm. he didn't break character, and she and he made sure that he pretended like there was gargoyle under there, <laughs> under the skin. Right. Yeah, like or, or or like the look that he gives Robert Klein when Robert Klein fires him as a client. He takes it. He takes it pretty. He gets well, a little drunk. You know, he does get drunk. But yeah, he. What did What did you think of the knockoff cookie that they present in this? At the end, chips a lot yeah. instead of chips ahoy. Yeah. Chips a lot. It's the cookie that Debbie Harry keeps feeding to her. Um, her captive to, to fatten him up in a day. She wants him to keep eating cookies so he'll get fat. That's not how it works, by the cooking. way. You don't. Yeah. That mean it takes longer three than three hours. Day. Yeah, three hours ain't gonna get you cookie fat. Yeah. Now, chips a lot. I love that brand because it's named after <laughs> my favorite night. The kid eats it and it crunches way too much. It does. It sounds. It sounds very dry. Yeah. You know, chips ahoy cookies aren't. It's not like it's not a moist cookie. Right. It's not a cookie you can sink your teeth into, but it doesn't have that kind of crunch. Do to you it. think the Ameri- the Great American Cookie Company people shit their pants a little bit when they started making chewy cookies in the stores? They like if you put this in the microwave for like fifteen seconds, oh, we're out of business. Do you like? Do you like the American? Do you like those cookies? It, I like tasting. I like things that taste like nothing from planet Earth. <laughs> I love the frosting on them, man. <laughs> I want you to imagine you're a grown person who uh, 
circumstances have gotten you to where you have to take a job at that cookie company. Mm-hmm. And the first two two shifts that you're working there, there's that 19 year old manager telling you the the lay of the land and how the law is going to be under his watch. Mm-hmm. And you, and and it's like you need to be James Remar in a situation like that, or you're gonna. That's true. I don't know. Like at this point, when I, I mean, I'm sure I'll like at some point you start working for people that are younger than you. Oh, I'm sure. just thinking nineteen year old that, that yeah. job that serious though. It's like you know. mm-hmm. no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be tough, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Man. But what, what have you ever worked at anything like that? You worked. At I've worked a lot of. I've worked a lot food? of demeaning jobs in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did. Customer facing. Yeah, I mean, besides the autobellies. No, no, I mean, I was, I was, you know, I worked at a bunch of dumb shits. I worked at a. You worked at a. You worked at a video game store for a long time in grocery a grocery store. I mean, did a lot of. You know, I'm not. I'm not above anything. I, I used to. I, I sorted microchips at, in a warehouse mm-hmm. for one job. This was in the early. This was like when I was very young. I would go and there's all these bins of tiny chips that I have to figure out which is which and sort them. No, I worked at a solo cup factory. I had to sort, I had to figure out the plastic cups, if the rims were good. And if they were warped at all, I threw them out. So, yeah, the this, the outer rim and the solo factory, that's almost awesome. No, just like, no, it was just, uh, you worked on a, on a on a line and you were, you know. I, I got know. it. It was. Can you imagine getting fired from the cookie company? Damn it. That customer just said this cookie tasted like something from Earth.
change I'll ride the past, you can keep the chase Soon I'll be down under Let the next wave sort this out